شهد الله أنه لا إله إلا هو والملائكة والملائكة وأولو العلم قائما بالقسط لا إله إلا هو العزيز الحكيم طيب بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على عبده ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ما بعد Before we start the lesson that we're going to go on with Rada' or Ahkam Rada' That's what I'm right yeah. Before we start the lesson I want to make, just talk about a side issue inshallah ta'ala quickly Because the lesson is going to be short anyway Probably um, And that is Al-Khilaf Difference of opinion How do we deal with differences of opinion? And what is difference of opinion? First of all, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Qur'an وَلَا يَزَالُونَ مُخْتَلِفِينَ That the human beings, they will always be differing. There's always going to be different, differ, or difference of opinion amongst ummah. Always. Amongst all Muslims in many different issues. So this is something, first of all, that we have to understand. That it's not possible for everyone to unite and completely agree on everything. That's impossible. But what, the, what Islam wants to, and one of the intentions of the Sharia, is to gather the people on these valid differences of opinion. Yani despite the difference of opinion, the Sharia still wants the hearts to be united, despite this valid difference of opinion. So we're not saying that a Christian and a Muslim should be yani, united like that. Like we're saying when there is valid, acceptable difference of opinion between two Muslims. We're not saying Muslim, a Sunni and a person who's an innovator. We're not saying that, but we're talking about Muslims who are generally they agree on their foundations. That Sharia intends and likes and loves for them to be united. Okay, so that first of all, from this we have the uh, athar that's been narrated. Wallahu a'lam about its authenticity, how authentic it is. But that is said, khilaf ummati rahmah, that the difference of opinion amongst my ummah is a mercy. And the reason why it's a mercy is because it's an acceptable difference of opinion amongst the Ummah. So when they do differ in these issues, then it's something that we need to learn how to deal with. The first mis'ala that I want to talk about is, Al-Khilaf isn't an evidence. Is difference of opinion an evidence for something to be allowed? And someone says, there's difference of opinion on this issue. Some, say, some scholars say it's halal, and some scholars say it's haram. Does that show that this issue is halal? Is haram, is halal? It doesn't. So the difference of opinion isn't an evidence in itself. No, it's not. The difference of opinion is something that um, you would think that is known. Like in amongst some a lot of a lot of people, they think that if there is a difference of opinion, then it can't be haram. How can it be haram if there's a difference of opinion? If it's not in the Quran, it's not in the Sunnah, and it is in the Quran and the Sunnah. But there's a difference of opinion amongst the scholars. So how can it be haram? So what did they do there? They used the difference of opinion as an evidence to say that it is allowed. We know Quran is evidence, Sunnah is evidence, Ijma' is evidence, Qiyas, that is correct, Qiyas is Sahih is evidence, right? But is difference of opinion and evidence to show that something is allowed? It's not. So, someone, so therefore, we understand that just because there is a difference of opinion on an issue, it does not mean that it cannot be haram. It still can be haram. It just means there's no, there's no Ijma', there's no consensus, there's just difference of opinion. طيب. So, where do we now understand, where do we take this difference of opinion when, it's, when there is a difference of opinion? 
how do we deal with it? How do we deal with it? A difference of opinion, there are differences of opinion on almost everything, but there are different levels when it comes to khilaf, different levels when it comes to khilaf. From those levels is that a khilaf which is unacceptable, al khilaf is sa'ir, and the difference of opinion that is unacceptable, despite there being, this, there being a difference of opinion, is still not acceptable. So is it acceptable or non-acceptable? What's the acceptable difference of opinion? The acceptable difference of opinion is when the difference of opinion is based on an, an evidence which is a, it, has a, it has a strong extraction point. Yani it was extracted in a correct way. Yani it's not a weak extraction or weak evidence. Clear cut weak difference of opinion. For example, an example of an acceptable difference of opinion is the basmala. Before Surah Al-Fatiha, do you say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim out loud or not? According to Imam al-Shafi'i, you say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim out loud before the Salah, before Al-Fatiha. Say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. And according to the other madhahib, they say that no, you just start with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, you just start with Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. This is an acceptable difference of opinion. Because we have the hadith of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu reciting the Basmala out loud. And then we have the hadith of Anas ibn Malik and Sahih Bukhari Muslim. Saying that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman, all of them they prayed without saying Bismillah before Fatiha and not after the Fatiha. So there is a, an acceptable difference of opinion here. So in this case we say, this difference of opinion is acceptable. And if someone takes that opinion there there is no problem. And if someone takes the other opinion there is no problem. And we will still have mercy between us. And the, that's where the hadith applies. Khilaf ikhtilaf or khilaf ummati, the difference of my ummah is rahmah, is a mercy. This is where it applies. When there is a strong evidence for the other opinion. As for a weak difference of opinion, then it is when there is no acceptable or no strong evidence for that difference of opinion. There might be some weak evidence here, an extraction, a point that they brought out from a qiyas or something like that. But there's a clear-cut hadith on the opposite side. Clear-cut ayah or clear-cut hadith. For example... For example, an example of unacceptable difference of opinion, for example, is the difference of opinion when it comes to al-ish'ar. This is something that, the, and the reason why I bring this example is because this is an example that the Salaf themselves, they, they clearly said it's an unacceptable difference of opinion. Al-ish'ar, ish'ar al-hadi, is basically when the animals which are being taken to be slaughtered at the Kaaba, when animals are being taken to be sacrificed for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Mecca, then they are, they're, they're, they're taken and they're, 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 they're taken from one country or one city to another city, right? And so when they're taken, what did the, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what he done, or what the Arabs they used to do, is that they used to cut the hump of the camel and it, until it bleeds, and they'll take that blood and they wipe that blood on the side of the camel. Why? So whoever sees that camel, they see that this camel is going to be a, a sacrifice for the Haram, for, for Mecca, for Hajj. So the people, the Arabs, because of that, what they would do, that if even in the robbers, a highway robber, he would rob people on the, street, on the, on the highway when people are, people are going to Mecca. When he would see this animal, he would not touch that kind of animal because he knows that this is for, the, for Allah. So a robber will fear Allah for touching that, to, to even steal or do anything to, to that uh, the caravan, those group of people who are going because they know that these are people who are going to Hajj or Umrah. So they're not going to touch the guests of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so this is Ish'ar, a clear hadith. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he done it. And... And that's the majority of scholars, they say that it is sunnah. And then they came, the, some of the ulama of Kufa, who said, and Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah ta'ala, said, 
that is not. Rather, al-ish'ar is muthla. It is mutilation. So it's not allowed. What's mutilation? Mutilation is not allowed when you're allowed to, when you go to, you're not allowed to cut the nose of an animal. You're not allowed to cut the ears of an animal. You're not allowed to cut, mutilation. Let alone a human being. So it's not allowed. But Imam Abu Hanifa said, doing this is muthla. Comes under muthla. And so, ishtadda nakiru salaf alayhi. The salaf, they were really harsh against him when it comes to this, in this issue. So I had to to the point that Imam Tirmidhi narrates from Waki' ibn Jarrah al-Ru'asi that he said that whoever says this opinion, whoever goes against this opinion should be imprisoned. Because the hadith is clear. Is there ijma' on the issue though? There is difference of opinion, right? But the difference of opinion is acceptable. It's unacceptable difference because there's a clear hadith for it. And you're going against the hadith based on what? Qiyas. Based on it might be muthla, it might be mutilation. You understand? Or for example, the, the opinion of a nabith being allowed. A nabith. Uh, even though some of the Salaf they allowed it now. Because there was a different opinion, that's it. Because Abu Imam Abu Hanifa, maybe he took an opinion, that's it. But the mere fact that there is one scholar who said that he went against it, even if it was slightly unacceptable, and then there was no ijma' after or before. And if there was ijma' before, then his difference would be shad, completely unacceptable. Because there's ijma'. And if there's ijma' after it, then that, 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 that opinion will be ignored after that. But because there was, he had that opinion, and people followed him in that opinion, then it's, we say that it's not mas'ala ijma'iyya. It's not ijma'. So are they wrong for them following him? Yeah, we say, we, say that they, we, we say that they're wrong when it comes to this. Yeah, they're wrong to follow that if you know the hadith. If you know the hadith. As for if you do not be in a taqlid because you don't have knowledge, then it's fine. Then the person will not hold accountable for that. Taib. Um, Naam, and Nakir. Eh? Yeah, the, the, it's the Hanafi opinion. It's the Hanafi opinion today. They say that opinion, yeah. So there's certain opinions, even for example, يعني, there's opinion amongst every madhab that's like that. Every madhab has an opinion like that. Right? For example, some of the Shafi'is, they would say that if a person commits zina with a woman and they have a child, is that child, is that man the father of that child? He's not, right? He's not considered the father of that child because zina, they don't have lineage through zina. So he's not considered the father. So some scholars, some scholars, this is an unacceptable opinion. They said, they said that that child you can marry if it's his daughter. Yes, so it's an unacceptable opinion. Unaccept- but it's there. You understand? It's an unacceptable opinion, but it's there. And some Shafi'i scholars, they said this. Okay? But it's unacceptable. So, in that case, when these differences of opinion occurs, how do we deal with them in terms of commanding the good forbidding the evil? When we see something evil, we're meant to forbid it, right? Tayyip, when we see someone doing something that goes against an opinion, then that has an, has an, a different, different, there's a difference of opinion on it. He's doing something, and there's a difference of opinion on it, but he's doing it because we believe it's haram. Do we do al-inkar? Do we forbid the evil now in this situation? We say in this, in, there is two situations, or there is a few situations in this. You understand? Number one, the first situation is, if there is a difference of opinion on an issue, and it's a valid difference of opinion, then in that case, نُنْكِرُوا الْقَوْلِ وَلَا نُنْكِرُوا الْعَمَلِ This is important. We forbid and we speak against that opinion. There's a valid difference of opinion. We're allowed to speak against the opinion. And this is another huge mistake that people make. 
They say there's difference of opinion, and it is valid difference of opinion, yes. Putting your hands up or down, whatever you put your hands, raising the hands, what, there's valid difference of opinion, no problem. Uh, do I have to keep quiet now? No. When it comes to the opinion, I'm allowed to speak against the opinion. I'm allowed to write a book, and this is the scholars. The scholars, they've always been refuting each other on these issues. Imam Ahmed has this opinion, Imam Malik has another opinion. So Imam Ahmed's student writes, and writes a book saying that why, why my opinion is correct and why your opinion is wrong. No problem, it's allowed and it's, an, it's an acceptable. And some people, they, because of their, their love for this false unity, they say, no, don't speak about these issues. Don't speak about this issue. And it's difference of opinion. Yes, there's difference of opinion, but I'm allowed to say it's wrong. And if you believe that something is halal and I believe something is haram, I'm allowed to say that it's haram. And I bring my evidences, I'm allowed to say it's haram, and I can bring my evidences, and I say whoever says halal is wrong. I'm allowed to say that, say it. Say it in terms of writing, in terms of in a lesson. What do we do every day? We say that opinion's wrong, right? In the lessons, this is the wrong opinion, it's the correct opinion. Does that mean now we're disrespecting that scholar who took that opinion? It doesn't. You're allowed to say that this, I believe it's wrong. And this is for the scholars to do in people's knowledge. To when we follow the people knowledge, we say that this scholar Sheikh Mbaz said this is wrong, so we follow Sheikh Mbaz in this opinion. We, or we say that Sheikh Mbaz got it wrong in this opinion, so we don't follow Sheikh Mbaz, we follow someone else. So, the, speaking against the issue, saying that this is based on evidences, is something that the scholars have always been doing. And it's only recently that people have been saying, and obviously based on ignorance, it's not really, people don't really say it to be honest, but as ignorant people, they say it, they say what? Don't speak about that issue. Don't, don't, like, why are you saying, why are you speaking about issues, saying it's halal or haram, when there's difference of opinion? Okay, there's difference of opinion, I believe it's haram though, so I'm going to say it's haram. Hmm. Uh, on that, like, similar topic, like, some people they say, like, uh, you're making a deen hard or something, like... No, yeah, for example, in, no, no, that's, that's not the issue, you see, this unscholarly, this, you understand? Know sorry, sorry. No, it's fine, continue. No, no, finish, 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 I didn't. No, no, I didn't finish, go on, go on, say it, finish. Uh, it's not like, it's, it's slightly different, but... For example, the issue of the issue of, for example, there's uh, pictures, pictures, and videos. Are pictures and videos halal or haram? Difference of opinion. Pictures and videos. Some scholars say it's halal. Some scholars say it's haram. I'm talking about pictures when it comes to photographic. Some scholars allowed. Some scholars say it's not allowed. Am I allowed to say in public now videos are haram? I'm allowed because I believe that. If I believed it, I don't believe it. Look, but I'm saying if I believed it, if I believe that videos were not allowed. I am allowed to say it's not allowed. If I believe that pictures were, were halal in terms of uh, photographic pictures, if I, say, if I believe it was allowed, I'm allowed to say it's allowed. طيب? That's one thing. But then that's the first situation, which is there's a valid difference of opinion. نُنْكِرُ الْقَوْلُ وَلَا نُنْكِرُ الْعَمَلُ But we don't, we don't forbid the evil. يعني I believe videos haram, for example, if I did. And then uh, someone else believes it's halal. And it's a valid difference of opinion. It's valid difference of opinion. Scholars from both sides, they took, they took the opinion. Am I allowed to come in now and break the video, the camera, and break the TV, and tell them, stop it, you know, what you're doing is haram? No, you're not allowed. You're, not, you're allowed to say it's haram in public, but you're not allowed to tell the people and forbid the evil. Say, I'm forbidding the evil. You understand? Enforcing yeah, enforcing it, exactly. You're not allowed to enforce it on people now. You say, yeah, in my opinion, it's haram. You're allowed to say it's haram, but obviously when you say it's haram, you're saying, in my opinion, it's haram. You understand? So you're allowed to say it. But what you're not allowed to do is enforce your opinion on someone else when the opinion is valid. Is that clear? When the opinion is valid, you're not allowed to enforce it now on someone else. No. But then do you still hate it with your heart? Yeah, you hate it with your heart. You dislike it. 
You dislike the action because you believe it's haram. But you say this might, as, as Imam Shafi'i said, قولي صواب ويحتمل أن يكون خطأ. My opinion is correct. Imam Shafi'i said, my opinion is correct. And it could be wrong. And the opinion of my opponent is wrong, but it could be correct. You understand? It could be. The difference of opinion, we accept it. Um, you said if it's not valid mm. If it is valid But in, in a case I think If it's left to the people's understanding of what's valid They can go somewhere else so if This is for the scholars to decide what's valid and what's invalid okay. For the people of knowledge to decide what's valid and what's invalid So we say here the va- When there is a valid difference of opinion According to the people of knowledge There's a valid difference of opinion Okay And true that is a wide It, it does give a wide spectrum it does, it, There is There might be some problem when saying valid and invalid Lacking it depends on the place and time. For example, if you're in a country where that opinion amongst everyone is seen to be invalid. For example, um, Saudi Arabia. In Saudi Arabia today, it's unacceptable for a woman to come out with her face open. She has to wear niqab. So do we say now there is a valid... For them, there's, there's no valid difference of opinion in terms of actions amongst them. So therefore, they're allowed to tell someone who's wearing, not wearing the face, not wearing niqab, to wear niqab. Because for them, it's invalid, it's unacceptable. No, it's unacceptable. It's not acceptable. Recently, like, and still. How does that make sense? It's not less of you. Is it law? Like, there, it's, like it's, it's not law, but it's the, the opinion of their scholars. Their scholars, they believe it. It's almost unanimously agreed amongst their scholars that this is an unacceptable difference of opinion for them, for them, for them. There's no ijma. There's no ijma. The valid difference. It is valid difference of opinion. Yes, you're right. It is valid difference of opinion. But from time and place, some things they depends on the place. Even if there is a valid difference of opinion, it is unacceptable to go against an opinion sometimes. If, even if there is a valid difference of opinion. For example, in that situation, where if a woman came out without niqab, then that's going to be fitna. Because that's not something that they see. They don't see women without niqab. So it's going to be fitna. So therefore, even though there is a valid difference of opinion in the scholars, in the books, but in terms of action, there's no valid difference of opinion. No one's allowed to say. So then they can enforce their opinion. They can enforce their opinion in that situation. And the, the, the government do. They should as well. One scholar's opinion is supposed to follow all of the teachings of that scholar, right? Not necessarily, no. Or can you pick and choose? No. Not necessarily. You don't have to follow the opinion of one scholar in everything. You don't have to. But, but then you can argue you, 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 someone's going to pick and choose based on what he wants. On desire, yeah. Exactly. So we say, this, obviously, when we say this, we say that it's allowed for you to follow the opinion of one scholar. It's allowed. The only time that you're allowed to go against him is when you believe, according to Allah, that another opinion is stronger. That's the only time. According, that's up to you. And if, you, if you're picking up, and I'm, I'm telling you this. Now, if, I, if you go, and, you, and if someone now goes and says this, that I'm, I'm following this scholar, but there's this opinion, and you do it, you, say, you know in yourself, is it out of desires, or is it out of, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? You know, right? You know best. So that person, we say to him, for you, you know best, but make sure that you only follow what you believe is closest to the Quran and Sunnah. What you believe is, is, is what Allah wants But for, for you to follow your desires is not allowed But we can't enforce someone say so you, you have to follow this scholar only You have to follow this scholar We can't enforce someone to do that You can't Because you can't bind someone by anything other than Quran and Sunnah But we do bind them by What they believe what, Following a scholar That they believe is closer to the Quran and Sunnah as long as, But picking and choosing based on desires is sinful And only you know that And the sin is between you and Allah You're sinful mm. Mm. Sorry, um, two questions. The first one, in regards to the 
removing a harm is greater than bringing about a good. So it's the lesser of two evils in that scenario. What's the lesser of two evils? In terms of if you were to say go out and do it against the general mass of what they do, even though their opinion is valid, you will cause more harm by actually bringing about the benefit of trying to go against it. There's no benefit of going against it. What's the benefit of going against it? I'm saying so does that is is it not allowed for you to do so because of the Because of the harms that it'll bring. Yeah, the Yeah, because of the harm. Not because of that principle, no. That principle is different. But because of the harms that it'll bring. Oh. Mm. Is, is it obligatory for a scholar to mention an opinion if he believes it's true? No, another, there's another thing I want to mention as well. To mention, a, mention an opinion now. Do I have to mention every difference of opinion? I don't have to mention every difference of opinion. Right? Even if the scholar believes it's true, he doesn't have to mention it in a certain situation where it's going to cause fitna. For example, if someone believes that niqab is not wajib in Saudi Arabia, it's not allowed for him to mention it. Not allowed. Unless it's amongst the books. But to mention and say, I believe it's allowed. It's not allowed. Because it's going against the way that the people are on. It's going to cause fitna. It's going to cause harm. Sorry. But they, the 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 country, they agreed. They have they have united upon an opinion. In that case, you don't go against that united opinion when they're upon when it's a valid opinion. When their 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 opinion is valid and they're united upon that, you're not allowed to go against that because it's going to cause fitna. It's allowed sometimes to restrict halal if the opinion, if the scholars take the opinion, it's allowed. And that becomes incumbent. Yes. Yeah, right now, if I believe that it's allowed for me to, for a woman not to wear niqab, I wouldn't. I'm not allowed to go in Saudi Arabia and say it in public. I'm not allowed to in public. I'm not allowed. But in, in, in gatherings where there's we're teaching books, in public when we're teaching books, we say, you can say it. When it comes to fatwa, I'm not. Saying, I don't know about arrested. I'm talking, I'm talking about Islamically. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about governmentally. I'm talking about Islamically. You're sinning for doing such a thing. Because you're causing fitting amongst the people. You're going to bring someone who has weak iman, who's going to come and he's going to change his opinion and take off their, fa- their face, niqab, and then cause fitna for the people. So it's not allowed for you to do such a thing. Because of the fitna that it's going to cause. We're not saying because of the opinion is invalid. We're not saying because it's restricting halal. But we're saying because of the fitna that it's going to cause only. Is that clear? So you don't have to mention the opinion. You don't have to mention your own opinion all the time. And you don't have to mention the difference of opinion every single time when there is a difference of opinion. And it's another mistake people say. So you just say it's haram, pictures are haram. Or pictures are some, well, I don't know why pictures I'm saying it a lot of times. Like when pictures are haram. I don't have to mention that there is an opinion that it's halal. I don't have to. I'm allowed. I can. According to the benefit, the people they're ready for it. If the people they are students of knowledge, they're learning. I'm allowed to teach them that. But if I say it's, someone asks a question, uh, someone asks a question to a sheikh, says sheikh, what's the ruling on pictures? It's not allowed. Is he allowed to do that? Of course he's allowed to do it. No problem. Tayyip, that's if the, the opinion is valid. The opinion is valid. What do we do? We can refute it. But we don't forbid the evil. We don't enforce it upon other people. Tayyib, what about if the opinion is invalid? It's an invalid opinion. For example, music. Someone says music is the opinion of music. Music being allowed or not. If there is no ijma', some scholars they even say there's ijma'. Let's say there's no ijma' when it comes to music. The, the difference of opinion when it comes to music, is it halal or not? It's not valid. It's invalid. You're not allowed to say music is halal at all. It's unacceptable opinion. There's clear ayat in the Quran and hadith of the Prophet telling us about music being haram. So therefore, what do we do in that situation? We're allowed to refute it, obviously. We're allowed to say it's haram. And we're allowed to enforce it as well. According to the principles of forbidding the good and commanding the good and forbidding the evil. The principles of commanding the good and forbidding the evil are many. As long as you're not going to cause a bigger evil. For example, there's a concert going on. Someone goes and burns down the concert. And kills people. It's not allowed. 
Haram. You're not allowed to do that. According to the principles of forbidden the good and the command the good and forbidden the evil. What are those? That you don't cause a bigger harm. And there's many principles, like you don't cause a bigger harm. And the the principle the the the, the, the person that you're commanding and forbidding and you're stopping is someone that you have power over. For example, your children, you're allowed to stop them from physically by from, from listening to music. So if there is a valid, and for example, there is, um, you're, in a, you're in a place where you have some say, and there's music going on, you go and you turn off the music, you're allowed. You have some say. When you have, it's not going to cause fitna, it's not going to cause harm, it's not going to cause any, any chaos. Then in that case we say, this is difference of opinion. If someone says, but I believe it's halal. So we don't care if you believe it's halal, it's not allowed. There's no acceptable opinion that, to say it's halal. You understand? So that, in that case, so when there, is no, when there is no valid difference of opinion, what do we do? You're allowed to refute it and you're allowed to, and it comes under forbidden the good, command of the good and forbidden the evil. Is that clear? So these are some principles when it comes to. Uh, uh, so, what about when the, now there is no difference of opinion? Then, in that case, the same thing, it comes under that as well. Okay, so, as for music, if they know it's that it's haram. Yeah, and some scholars they do say it's ijma'ah. Allah maybe there is ijma'ah. I have to look into it more deeply. Some scholars do mention there is ijma'ah. But there is some scholars who went uh, wrong. Like Ibn Hazm said, it's allowed. It's not allowed. For example, the scenario where someone says, uh, where someone tries to say music is halal, and they use, for example, the fetus of Al Azali, Allah forgive me, there's mistakes, uh, that they. Then you're disrespecting the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He's the only one who doesn't make mistakes. And we say if, you're, if, you, if, you, if he says the scholar took the opinion, we say who do you love more, the scholar or the Quran or Sunnah? And Sunnah. See, the Quran and Sunnah is more beloved to us than any scholar, any any thing that they say. The Quran and Sunnah is more beloved to us. So that's how you respond to that. Is that clear? So these are some principles with regards to khilaf, difference of opinion. I just wanted to mention it because sometimes there's two extremes with this. One extreme which is that people are too harsh. They say the opinions either my way or no way, that's it. You have to follow my way, that's the only way that's allowed. No other way is acceptable. No. It's not, it's not the way of the people of, of Islam. And also the other way which is that every difference of opinion is valid, every difference of opinion is acceptable. Rather we should take the easiest opinion every single time, as some of them they say. And some of them say we, shouldn't, we, can't, we can't speak against any other opinion. Every opinion is valid. And if there is a difference of opinion, it shows that it's halal. All of this is invalid. Wallahu a'lam. Tayyip, fasulun fi ahkam al radar. Now we're going on to the rulings pertaining to breastfeeding. Al radar. Breastfeeding. So the author, Rahimallah ta'ala, says, Fasulun fi ahkam al radar. Wa idha arda'atil maratu bilabaniha waladan, sara radi'u waladaha bishartain. If a woman, she breastfeeds a child with her milk. Then the child becomes her child. That child becomes her child. Yani, it's as if she is, she's the one who gave birth to her in, in many ways. Right? And this is something that is mentioned in the Quran and in the Sunnah by Ijma'ah. And Allah says in the Quran, Your mothers, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls them the mother. The mother who breastfed you. They are your mahram. And your sisters from al-rada'a. And from Aisha radiallahu anha, she mentioned that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said يَحْرُمُ مِنَ الرَّضَاعَةِ مَا يَحْرُمُ مِنَ النَّسَبِ That whatever becomes haram through li- uh, lineage, it becomes haram through الرضاعة, through breastfeeding. 
Meaning that if a woman breastfeeds a child, then that child becomes like the son or the daughter of that woman. And that woman becomes like the mother of that, of that child. And anything that is haram between a mother and a child is haram between them too. And the people who are related to that child in a, in a way where lineages uh, affect the way they are related, it affects it also in uh, in a rada'ah, except the exceptions that we mentioned in the previous lessons, one of the previous lessons. So for example, that mother who bre breastfed a child, his, that child's child is going to be the grandchild of that mother, and, things, and so on. And we took that in quite detail, in, in some detail, uh, last time. So he says, بشرطين, but with two conditions. The first condition is that the child must be uh, before the age of two. Meaning the best breastfeeding must have taken place before the age of two. And the evidence for that is the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. He said, لا رضاع إلا ما كان في الحولين. There is no rada, there is no um, uh, breastfeeding that makes it haram, except what is before two years. And that's the time frame that Allah gave in the Quran. Allah says, وَالْوَالِدَاتُ يُرْضِعْنَ أَوْلَادَهُنَّ حَوْلَيْنِ كَامِلَيْنِ that the child is being, the, 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 the mothers, they breastfeed their child for two years, full two years. وفي رواية الترمذي, and the Tirmidhi narrates, لا يحرم من الرضاع إلا ما فتق الأمعاء في الثدي وكان قبل الفطام. That the الرضاع, the, um, the breastfeeding doesn't become haram except ما فتق الأمعاء, what goes through the um, the intestines it goes through and it goes into the mouth and it is before the age of الفطام, before the age where a child no longer drinks breast milk that's what fitam is and that is at the age of the age of two two yeah two luni is ahsent there's a good mabhath here that Tirmidhi mentions um I want to mention it actually, I want to bring it out. I forgot, I should have brought it out. Uh, no. So what was what he said for uh, the age of Rabah? Al-Fitam. Yeah. No, I'll mention it in a minute. Okay. So, he mentions this. This is the opinion of the majority of scholars from the, from the, from the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the Tabi'een. Okay, that, uh, that the child is only breastfed before the age of before the age of two. Go, he says here. And says, well, this is the opinion of the majority of scholars. And anything that comes after two years, then it doesn't make anything haram. وفاطمة بنت المنذر بن الزبير بن العوام وهي مرأة نعم he mentions um, the rest of the hadith so that is the opinion of the majority of the scholars that it has to be before the age of two um, نعم the second the second condition that the author رحمه الله تعالى brings is وأن ترضعه خمس رضعات متفرقات that he breastfeeds five different breastfeedings different feedings or what we mean by different breastfeeding, and the evidence for that is because the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam لا تحرم أو لا تحرم المصة أو المصتان uh, That the one 
one or two uh, feedings or just tastes do not make someone does not make someone haram. So here we have two conditions in this hadith. Number one, it has to be five times because the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha that kunna naqra'u fil Quran we used to recite in the Quran and, and it says waqalat Aisha as narrated by At-Tirmidhi says waqalat Aisha unzila fil Qur'ani ashru rada'atin ma'lumat the Quran it mentioned ten it had to be ten fanusikha min thalika khamsun and so five were abrogated so it became five wasara ila khamsi rada'atin ma'lumat and so it became five known breastfeeding feedings so it has to be five the second condition that we have also in that hadith la yuharrimu al-masra'a wa al-masra'tan two sucks or one, one suck does not, does not uh, make it haram, it shows that it has to be full, that the baby must get full. So it can't be just feedings where you just taste the milk. Rather, it has to be five times where the baby sucks the milk until he is full and no longer le- needs the milk, no longer wants the milk. And this was the fatwa of Aisha radiallahu anha. وَبَعْضُ أَزْوَاجِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ And some of the wives of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. وَهُوَ قَوْلُ الشَّافِعِي And it's the opinion of Imam al-Shafi'i. وَإِسْحَاقِ وَقَالَ أَحْمَدُ بِحَدِيثِ بِحَدِيثِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ And Imam Ahmed رحمه الله تعالى He mentioned the hadith of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. لَا تُحَرِّمُ الْمَصَّةُ وَلَا الْمَصَّتَان that one or two sucks does not make something and the madhab of Aisha is strong if someone takes that opinion. Um, وقال بعض أهل العلم من أصحاب بعض أهل العلم من أصحاب النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وغيرهم يحرم قليل الرضاع. said some of the some of the scholars now from the companion of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم they say that even a small amount of milk becomes haram makes makes the child haram. وكثيره إذا وصل إلى الجوف so a small amount and a large amount as long as it goes to the abdomen يعني goes to the stomach of the child and this is the opinion of Sufyan al-Thawri and Malik and Awzai and Abdullah ibn Mubarak and Wakir. And the people of Kufa. Wa Abdullah ibn Abi Mulaika wa huwa Abdullah ibn Abi Ubaid wa yukna na'am. Na'am. So that uh, it shows that it is five. And that's the correct opinion. Allah When you say the child becomes haram, you mean mahram. Mahram, yeah. It becomes mahram, yeah. Then we have the hadith of Hudayfa. And this is an opinion because that I want to mention because sometimes people they speak about it. And that is the Salim, Mawla Hudayfa. When he was breastfed at old age, he was breastfed at old age because he grew up in the house of a woman, and they took him, they adopted him as a son. Then, at the, when they realized that he was not mahram for this woman, they asked the Prophet ﷺ, and the Prophet ﷺ told them, feed him, breastfeed him, and to make him a mahram, even though he was old. And so they breastfed, uh, and then he became mahram. So, what, how, what do we say about this hadith? Imam Malik rahimahullah ta'ala narrates the hadith here. And he says, ibn ibn He was from the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he had, وَقَدْ شَهِدَ بَدْرًا And he had witnessed the battle of Badr. وَكَانَ تَبَنَّ سَالِمًا And he took Saliman, Salim, Mawla Hudayfa, the one who the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told us to learn the Qur'an from. He took him as an adopted son. يُقَالُ لَهُ سَالِمْ مَوْلَى أَبِي حُدَيْفَ وَكَمَا تَبَنَّ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ زَيْدِ بْنِ حَارِثَ Just like the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم took Zayd as a son, Zayd ibn Haritha, they used to call him Zayd ibn Muhammad. But his name was Zayd ibn Haritha, just like that. Salim, Mawla Hudayfa. وَأَنْكَحَ أَبُوْ حُدَيْفَةَ سَالِمًا 
وهو يرى أنه ابنه أنكحه بنت أخيه فاطمة بنت الوليد بن عتبة بن ربيعة وهي يومئذ من المهاجرات الأول so يعني the wife of حذيفة was this lady called Fatima and she raised Salim وهي يومئذ أفضل أيام قريش فلما أنزل الله تعالى في كتابه في زيد بن حارثة so at that time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then revealed the ayah saying that you can't have an adopted child. The adopted child, you can't call them by your name. So if I take a son and adopt him, I can't say he is my son. I say he is so and so. But I, I, take, I look after him, no problem. And so what happened is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So they came to the Prophet ﷺ after realizing this and they said, Ya We used to see Salim as our child. And he used to come and he used to sit with me as a woman. And I was someone that wasn't, I'm wearing my home clothes. Fudul, I'm wearing my home clothes. And we only have one house, so we can't put him in another house. فماذا ترى في شأنه؟ so what should I do؟ فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said أرضعيه خمس رضعات فيحرم بلبنها give him five feedings of breast milk وكانت تراه ابنا من من الرضاعة and so she breastfed him and so she became he became his he became her son from breastfeeding فأخذت بذلك عائشة and so عائشة took that opinion عائشة رضي الله عنها she used to say in the same situation if that happens, that if a woman, she has a child and she grew up with that child, for example, and then they're not mahram, that, he, that she breastfeeds him without obviously sucking directly from the breast, but rather they, they pump the breast out, the milk out, and then he drinks it five times. Aisha radiallahu anha used to give fatwa saying that it's allowed in that situation. He used to say, or Aisha radiallahu anha say generally that if it is old, even if it's old, then it's allowed, they become mahram. Even if he's old, he becomes a mahram. This is the opinion of Aisha radiallahu anha. And the opinion that's taken by Ibn Hazm and some other scholars. كانت تحب أن يدخل عليها من الرجال فكانت تأمر أختها أمك الأم كلثوم بنت أبي بكر الصديق وبنات أخيها أن يرضعن من أحبت أن يدخل عليها من الرجال. When Aisha radiallahu anha would want a man to be able to sit with her, then he would command that she is breastfed, that the man is breastfed by his, uh, her sister. Or one of her family members that makes it haram, that makes him, now makes Aisha radiallahu anha the auntie of that man. And this is the opinion of Aisha radiallahu anha. وَأَبَا سَائِرُ أَزْوَاجِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَمُ But the rest of the wives of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم rejected this and never accepted that to happen. أَنْ يَدْخُلَ عَلَيْهِنَّ بِتِلْكَ الرَّضَاعَةِ أَحَدٌ مِنَ النَّاسِ وَقُلْنَا لَا They said no. وَاللَّهِ مَا نَرَى الَّذِي أَمَرَ بِهِ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ سَهْلَةَ بِنْتَ سُهَيْلٍ إِلَّا رُخْصَةً مِنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ We see that the, 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 what happened with Salim, the story of Salim, we see that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم gave a specific concession there, a specific permission. It's only for that situation. It's not. It's not for any other situation. وحده. لا والله لا يدخل علينا بهذه الرضاعة أحد. No one's going to enter upon us. With this rada'ah at an old age. فَعَلَى هَذَا كَانَ أَزْوَاجِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فِي رَضَاعَةِ الْكَبِيرِ And so this is the opinion of the wives of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم when it comes to um, the rada'ah, a breastfeeding of an older person. So therefore, we've known from here that the majority of the scholars, of the Prophet, of the majority of the scholars they say that the rada'ah is only for a young, a young child before, below the age of two. 
this is the vast majority, as Tirmidhi says, this is the opinion of the majority of the people of knowledge from the Sahaba and the Tabi'een. And this is an opinion that was taken by Aisha and some scholars here and there in the history, they've taken this opinion that a person who's older. As for five, then this is the opinion of Imam Shafi'i and others. And there's difference of opinion, such as Imam, uh, Imam Malik, he says this only a little bit. Like in the point is the opinion of Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah ta'ala seems to be correct because of the hadith of Aisha. That number one, that it has to be below the age of, age of two. And number two, it has to be um, five, five times. One last thing, Taib, how do we deal with the hadith of Mawla, of Salim, Mawla Hudayfa? How do we deal with that? We say number one, either we say what the wives of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam said. And that is, that it is specific for them. That's what they used to believe. They say we used to believe that we see the only specific for them. Number one. The second way we deal with it also is to say, and this is the opinion of Mutaymiyyah, and it might be stronger, Wallahu A'lam, is that this, this situation can only be acceptable because Aisha radiallahu anha, what was her opinion? Anyone, right? So she wanted, if she wanted a man to become a mahram, she'll tell her sister to breastfeed her, breastfeed him. طيب? That's one opinion. And the other opinion of the majority of the scholars is what? No, it doesn't happen, it can never happen. That's only specific for that situation. There's a middle opinion, middle opinion taken by Ibn Taymiyyah, Ibn Uthaymeen, Shawkani, rahimahullah ta'ala. And that is that whoever is in the same situation as Salim, Mawla Hudayfa, then they take that ruling. What's that situation? That you grew up with a lady and she's not your mahram, then when you reach the age of puberty, there's a problem now, it's problematic. You're not able to now stay in the same house with her. So in that situation, they allow for that person to be breastfed by that woman by taking the milk from her breast and then him drinking it five times. Is that clear? And that opinion seems to be strong, Allah. You know, um, Allah, um, so that's what it seems, from what I understood here. Yeah. But the breast milk will be taken from her sister or someone who has breast milk. And so she, Aisha will become the auntie. She didn't have breast milk, she didn't have a child. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> mm. um, was it for the intention for them to be a student? Probably, yeah. any, 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 in the, in the Malik rahimahullah mentions Muatta, that anyone that he, she wanted, he wanted, or she felt like he should, have, should be able to sit with her. So maybe a student, Allah Alaihi Wasallam. Is that clear, guys? Wait, she'd have somebody else breastfeed on her No, she'll get uh, her sister to breastfeed. In that case, she'll become the auntie. I get it. Yeah. So that is the two conditions, right? Is that clear? Yeah. So he says Five separate breastfeedings And it must be Till the baby gets full Yeah, yeah Tirmidhi mentions all the explanations next to it That's the beautiful thing Which explanation? There's two I read the one in Malik That was the last one And before that's Tirmidhi Why does it have to be? Because you, you have to be, what do you mean independent? I need one breastfeeding, one breastfeeding, one breastfeeding. Because it's impossible for a baby to get full and then yeah, feed again. Where did that condition of coming full come from? Because you mentioned the food for two years and then only five instances of Yeah, the evidence for the mutafarriqat. Uh, did you, did you mention it in? Yeah, it's not one or two tips. Like in generally, from what, from what I remember, like in there, there's a hadith, like I can't, I can't remember exactly. I think I mentioned it in fact today. 
It's the fact that a baby, if he gets full, he's not going to drink anymore. He's going to leave. He's going to leave the thing. So therefore, it has to be another, another breastfeeding and then another one. So it's, it's not possible for that to happen unless it's five different separate breastfeeding. Like, and there is a hadith, get double checked, inshallah. Five, yeah. That's not yet. It's the hadith, but that still it does show it. It does show it logically. Shows it. The hadith shows it logically. The second masala here is that the husband, يعني صاحب اللبن, the one who gave the woman the milk. Who gives the woman the milk after, other than Allah subhanahu wa taala? Is when a man gets her pregnant and then she gives birth. When she gives birth, then she's able to give milk, right? That man who got her pregnant, in order to, for her to give milk, becomes the father of the breastfed. Becomes the father of the breastfed. يعني, so, when someone, it's not just the mother who becomes the mother, rather the, the husband who gave her the milk, صاحب اللبن, الفحل, as they say, also becomes the father. And this is because the hadith of Aisha, radiyallahu anha, when the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when uh, is mentioned, أفلح أخا أبي القعيس استأذن علي أفلح the brother of Abu Al-Qu'is he sought permission to come into the house and the hijab was revealed يعني we wouldn't allow it because there was hijab فقلت والله ما آذن له حتى أستأذن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم I'm not going to allow Abu Al-Qu'is to enter and أفلح أفلح was the brother and أفلح's wife breastfed Aisha أفلح's wife breastfed Aisha so who's أفلح's wife? Aisha's mother. And Aflah, who's the husband of that woman, of that woman, is her father. And Abu Al-Qu'is is Aflah's brother. So therefore, so who's it to Aisha? Uncle, direct uncle, because he's the father's brother. Aflah is is Aisha's brother, father, and Abu Al-Qu'is is Aflah's brother. So therefore, it's Aisha's uncle. Aisha's uncle. So he says, Abu Al-Qu'is wasn't the one who gave me breast food. It wasn't Abu Al-Qu'is who gave me milk. It was his mother. It was his wife. Abu Al-Qu'is, his wife was the one who gave me milk. So why is Aflah able to come to me now? فَدَخَلَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ فَقُلْتُ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِنَّ الرَّجُلَ لَيْسَ هُوَ أَرْضَعَنِي Aisha رضي الله عنه had no problem, not with Aflah. It's not with Abu Al-Qu'is. He said that the man wasn't the one who breastfed me. He never breastfed me. Rather, it was the wife who breastfed me. وَإِنَّمَا أَرْضَعَتْنِي مْرَأَتُهُ His wife breastfed me. فَقَالَ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ إِذِنِي لَهُ فَإِنَّهُ عَمُّكِ Allow him to enter because he's your uncle, your uncle. تَلِبَتْ يَمِينُكَ قَالَ عُرْوَةً فَلِذَلِكَ كَانَتْ عَيْشَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا تَقُولْ Because of that Aisha رضي الله عنها she used to say حَرِّمُ مِنَ الرَّضَاعَةِ مَا يَحْرُمُ مِنَ النَّسَبِ the father, the one who gave the milk to the, to the woman who breastfed you, is your father. And therefore his sister is who? Your auntie. And his brother is? Your uncle. Is his brother your mahram? Yes, he's your mahram. The one who's breastfed, the one who is breastfed. It is not allowed for him, so the baby. It's not allowed for him to marry Anyone who is related to that woman in mahram, mahramiya. Yani, that if I was breastfed by a mother, I'm not allowed to marry that mother's sister because that mother's sister is who to me? My auntie. And her mother, her mother is who? 
my grandmother and her daughter is who? My sister. So I'm not allowed to marry them, anyone who's on, the, on their level. Anyone amongst them. And they are not allowed to marry me, of course. They're not allowed to marry me. So who is the mother not allowed to marry? Me and who else? My children. What about my brothers and sisters? She can't. Why? Because she never breastfed them. Think about it as the milk being a DNA pump. That's how I think about it. That's how I remember it, to be honest. Milk being a DNA pump. She got her DNA and pumped it inside you. Not you got your DNA and pumped it inside her. If it was the opposite, then, you, then your brother and sister would be haram upon her as well. But in this case, she pumped her DNA into you. Therefore, you become part of her family. So therefore, obviously you don't get taken out, but you become part of their family. So she can marry your brother, but she cannot marry you or your children because their DNA is the same as well. They come from there. Is that clear? Uh, in the case of Salim, would he have had to drink like, a lot of stress pills? Five, yeah. I'm saying that. Oh, to get full? Yeah, to get full. <laughs> Allahu alam, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is evidence to say that it doesn't have to be It can be even a little bit amount of milk That's the opinion of Malik, remember? Allah yeah. Or his parents So the, the one who's being breastfed Their parents Is that mahram Are they related to the woman who breastfed? No, no they're not yani Me if I was breastfed by a woman Is my father her mahram? No My father doesn't become her mahram she wasn't breastfed. He wasn't breastfed by her. Exactly. Yani me, if I was breastfed by a woman, my dad, my biological dad, my biological father, doesn't become her mahram. So they can still marry. They can still marry. And my uncle doesn't become her mahram. My auntie doesn't. Only to me. Relations only to me. I become part of their family. She does become part of my family. If that makes it clear. So if your father does marry her, who, who does she become to you? Well, your she becomes your mum and your. No, she's just your mum. Yeah, yeah, step-mom and mom, yeah. So she becomes haram in two ways now. طيب, إلى طبقة منه فصل في النفقات. Should we take it? Yes. النفقات. It is what you have to spin. It's a whole different topic now, yeah? So what's the thing with Sheikh Al-Bani? Sheikh Al-Bani used to take the opinion of Ibn Hazm, of Aisha. Oh, that he Yeah, he used to take that opinion. طيب. فصل في النفقات النفقات is what you have to spend spending on those who you are responsible for this is what this whole topic is about and this is the last topic generally in Kitab al-Nikah النفقات what you have to spend on and spend every single person different people in your lives they have rights upon you so the reasons for nafaqa the reasons for it to be obligatory upon you to provide for someone are three there's three reasons for it to be obligatory upon you to provide for someone number one is al-qaraba because of relationships يعني, um, Being in the same family قرابه, Relatives relatives, And that is The parents and the child Only Parent and child From both angles يعني, The parent has to provide for the child And the child has to provide for the parent According to the Shafi'i What about we're going to go into it, inshallah. Generally, too much generally. But after that, if someone has to now look after him, then they become their wali. If they have a wali, then that wali has to spend upon them. طيب. So it's qaraba number one. And that is for the child and the parent in both directions. So we're going to explain it, inshallah. Wal milk number two is ownership. 
If you own an animal, you have to spend on it, you have to provide for it. Or a slave. <coughs> and number three is marriage. Marriage. And that is from the angle of the husband to the wife, not opposite. As opposed to father, parents and child, and child and parents. Both directions. They both have to spend on each other. Like in the, when it comes to marriage, only the husband has to spend on the wife. The wife doesn't spend a penny. Even if she's a millionaire. Taib? What about um, the wife's like, parents? The, the wife's family? The wife's family, no longer, she's no longer their responsibility. She's your husband's responsibility now. No, I mean, as in, do I need to provide for any of their family? Is it wajib? Yeah, as, as a child. No, no, no. If I'm my wife, do I need to provide for, like... My family. Her family. Her family. Oh, no, no, no. Only the wife. Mm-hmm. Only the wife. No one else. طيب as for qaraba as for um so he said look he says nafaqatul ahli wajibatun lil walidayn wal mawludin that you have to spend on your parents and you have to spend on children fa amma al walidani as for the parents fatajibu bi shartayn you have to spend upon them you have to provide for them with two conditions when there is two conditions number one al faqru if they're poor if your parents are poor you have to spend upon them you have to provide them wal zamana they're poor and and al zamana which is Al-Afah is when a, the, the a calamity, the a calamity, they're going through a calamity. Whether it be loss of ability, disability for example, they're in a situation where they're no longer able to provide for themselves. Al-Zaman. Or number two, if they are poor and they have, they're insane. So the disability. So any disability, it obligates you to provide for your parents. وَأَمَّا الْمَوْلُودُونَ As for the children, then when do you have to provide for your children? فَتَجِبُ نَفَقَتُهُمْ بِشَرْطَيْنَ Number one, الفقر والصغر When they're poor and they're young. And they might be rich and young. Then in that case, you don't have to spend your own money. You can spend their money on them. How can they be rich and young? How can they be rich? Inheritance. Inheritance. Inheritance, yeah. How? If a child gets inheritance from a far uncle who didn't have any children, and there was, there was yeah, an am. But that child is my child, right? Yeah. So isn't the inheritance coming through me? Not necessarily. Yeah. Sometimes, some, in rare situations, rare situations, sometimes a child can get money like that. Or a gift. Okay, okay. If someone gives a gift to a child, yeah. then it's just it's money, isn't it? Parents. Not allowed. Yeah. On Eid. Does it make a difference if the, if the parents are Catholic? Yeah, it makes a difference. If a parent is a kafir, but no, no, they still have to spend. They still have to spend on them, yeah. So if, if, the, if the parents are alcoholics, say for instance, and he's a kafir, would the one that is, um, the child have to? They would have to spend for them on their needs. Yeah, they have to spend on their needs. According to the majority of scholars, there is an opinion amongst the Shafi'i who say if there's a kafir, you don't have to spend any money upon them. Lakin, wallahu alam, you do have to. Yeah. So there's a nataqah, can it be? Buying what they need rather than that is what it is. Nafaka is buying what they need. It's not giving them no, it's not giving them money. It's buying what they need. That's what we mean by nafaka, spending on them. And what we mean by it, we're going to come to it. Nafaka generally means al kiswa, clothing, and food, and basic needs. Taib? Uh, now. Is every, I'm seeing a common thing is faqr. So it's all of them is faqr. So if someone's majnoon, you don't have to spend upon them. You have to spend their money on them because you're the wali now from their on their money. طيب الفقر والصغر. So if they if they're poor and they're young, يعني the young. What do you mean by young? They're at the age where they're not they don't have ability to earn money. 
They don't have the ability to earn money. Then in that case, you have to spend from your own money um, on them. Now, quickly enough. Inam, the fakr is two types. We're going to mention it. It's going to come. We're going to mention, inshallah. We're going to mention, inshallah. Um, so it says, "Oh, the fakr was zamana." Or number two, they are poor and they have inability. Zamana, same. They're unable to work. They have a something came to them that made them unable to work. Or the fakr was junoon, or because they're poor and because of insanity. Okay. So what do we mean by al-sigar? We mean the young age and an age where they're not able to work. What do we mean by al-fakr? Al-fakr is two types. Fakr fil kasbi wal fakr fil mal. It is in terms of earn, earning. They're not able to earn. Poverty means they are not able to earn. And number two is bilmal. They have no money as well. They have no money as well. Tayyib. <coughs> the condition for it, for it to be a big, uh, we said the condition is that, uh, now we said the condition of the actual child and the actual parent. So what about the one spending? What is the condition of his? Number one is al-yasar, that they are, they, have, they are rich. Yani that me, as a child, I don't have to spend upon my parents if I'm poor. If I'm poor, how can I spend upon them? And what do we mean by, by, by rich? You have enough money for you and yourself and your family and anyone who needs you. After your day, your day need, that day. So that day, you have, you have enough food and drink and clothing for that day. Anything after that? Is extra money that you have to spend upon them. Day by day. day, by day. That's if they're poor and young. Yeah, that's if they're poor and young. Yeah. And you have to spend your own money on them. You have to spend your own money. And the, and the parents as well. So I'm assuming your family always comes first before your parents. Yeah, your family comes first before your parents. Yeah. Tayyip. Um, from the condition is that they don't, have, they don't have any money. Obviously, we mentioned that. Labas. And they mentioned another condition of that um, That they don't have the ability to earn The parents have no ability to earn The parents haven't got the ability to earn Then in that case, you have to spend upon them If they have the ability to earn, do you have to spend upon them? The Shafi'is, they say, you don't have to But the majority of the, opinion, the scholars or the, the Imam al-Nawi and Imam al-Rafi'i From the Shafi'is, they say, you have to still You still have to even if they have the ability to earn and they don't want to earn, you still have to spend upon them. Because Allah says, وَصَاحِبْهُمَا فِي الدُّنْيَا مَعْرُوفًا You have to be good to them. You have to be good to your, to your parents. Alam. As for the evidence, then the evidence for uh, being obligatory or, or new to spend upon your parents, then it's the general ayat that refer to being good to your parents. Like Allah says, وَصَيْنَ الْإِنسَانَ بِوَالِدَيْهِ إِحْسَانَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded the human being to be good to their parents. This is one of the biggest obligations that we are good to our parents. Even if they don't want to work, according to these scholars, you still have to spend upon them. And as for the evidence for you having, spent, having to spend on your children, then it is when Allah says, That the one who has a child, then he has to give them their provision and their clothing, according to customs. So from this, we understand, from this ayah, we understand what do you have to give them? What do you have to give them? You have to give. What is customarily? Customary in terms of food, drink, shelter, and clothing, and basic needs. Food, drink, shelter, clothing, and basic needs. What is customary according to their class? Yani, or what is enough? Yeah, according to their class. 
يعني someone may, may need a in, in, a, in a hot country certain types of clothes so you have to provide those types of clothing and certain types of food is eaten in that country therefore you have to eat, provide that type of food is that clear this is what you have and then the the the, the, the for it is what what's the what's the way to recognize what you have to give them Urf, according to customs everything according to customs what is known to be normal in society you have to give them you can't give someone who's living in a certain society you give them something that is Cheap and not, not edible in this society. They don't eat this stuff. Okay? You have to give them what is known and acceptable in that society. Is that clear? So, uh, just going to contextualize it. Um, if you're providing food, drink, get in the clothes, how much money do you need to give them out pocket money? We don't have to, according to customs. Everything is going to customs. So, what does that mean right now? Yeah, I need, uh, how much I never used to have pocket money. <laughs> no, I just get nothing. I just get nothing. So I don't, so I don't know. I couldn't be the judge. Yeah, every family have the judge, right? No, we're not talking about wife. We're talking about your parents. Her wife is coming. This next chapter. You guys are coming to that. Parents, you have to give them a cool. You have to pay for their rent. You have to pay for their clothing. You have to pay for their food. You have to pay for everything they need. They need, not the extra stuff. Exactly. Even after the divorce, does that fall upon the, 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 the mom to do that for the child? Oh, we're going to take that, hadana. That's the next chapter. Oh. After that, inshallah. So, 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 let's say the parent, um, you know, you provide your parents what they need, and they, they want extra, and you say, I can't, and you say, no, is that, is that what you call holiday? Is there an extra? If they ask you for your, if you, uh, if they ask you for your wealth, yeah. and you can, and it doesn't harm you to give it to them and you've done the basics then you are sinning for saying no you have to say, you have to give it to them because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us to obey, to obey our parents as long as it's not going to harm you if it's going to harm you but you're not able to provide your, for your wife you're not able to pay rent anymore then you don't but if they say give me that money, why? I need the money for holiday you have to give them the money you have to give them the money your local community, your family. Allahu alam. And the UK is a hard situation to be honest. It's a hard situation. Like Allah alam, your local, your family, your local family. But when you get married, then what? When you get married outside the family, for example, then in that case, it goes to the sisters, that 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 lady's customs. Her customs. We're gonna to come to that, inshallah. Yeah. The customs change, like for example. A lot of our parents are like back home parents where they come from culture. And here is different. Yeah, yeah it's, so it's hard. Their culture here, you know what I'm saying? It's hard, it's hard, Allah, Allah alam. That's a hard one. That's what I'm saying. That's, London is a different situation, especially London. At least outside, there is more like, one culture. But in London, is too many cultures, so it's different. It's very hard, Allah alam. I don't know. Tayyip. Um, from this, we understand what? But I'm mentioning everything, right? From this, we understand that. We don't have to spend upon other relatives. You don't have to provide for other relatives. And this is the opinion of the majority of the scholars. As opposed to the Hanabila, Hanbalis, they say you have to spend on all relatives. All relatives you must spend if they inherit from you. Anyone who inherits from you, you have to spend upon them. If they, with the same conditions that they are poor and in need, and you have the ability. Is that clear? So spending on them is, according to customs, giving them food, drink, the basic needs. Food, drink, shelter, clothing, and... The basic needs. Wallahu alam. Tayyip. The next thing that you have to spend upon is The spending on the 
رقيق on the behind uh, the slave and the animals. So if you have an animal, a pet, or a slave, then that person, how do you have to spend uh, spend on them? In the hadith, then it is according to what is enough for them. You must provide everything. You must provide everything for them because it's impossible for them to be rich or poor because they you own all of their money. It's the animal, right? Let me ask you a question: Why is slavery allowed in Islam? Yeah. What's the wisdom that he allowed it and didn't abolish it? Time when he was, he was just mm. there was the ayah that I think you mentioned. Islam promotes free and slave, yeah, yeah. But let me give you another. Allah allowed it, no doubt. Like in, from amongst the wisdoms, is something that I mentioned recently, something that was mentioned to me by one of my teachers recently, and that's a very good, very good answer. Is that it came to regulate the effects of war. It came to regulate the effects of war. What happens when there's a war? People are killed, slaughtered. When slavery is there, what happens? They take them. And not only do they take them and save their lives instead of being killed. They take them and they have to look after them. And spend upon them. So it's there to regulate the effects of war. Without it, what happens? Killing, slaughtering. Slaughtering. People are killed with no mercy. Even though these people were fighting against us, we took them and we have to look after them. They were fighting against us, trying to kill us. Then we still allowed to take them, and then we have to look after them on top of that. After they, were, they committed kufr in the deen of Allah subhanahu wa taala, and they prevented people from entering into the deen of Allah, still allowed them. And when with that, they come closer to Islam. So from the wisdoms of slavery, is that that allowed it? Is that it regulates the effects of war that we see today? The effects of war what happens today when people go inside the country. They don't let anyone live. Yeah. Not many slaves back in the day, they accept Islam. Many slaves, many slaves. Majority of the non-Arabs who became Muslim were because through slavery. The majority of them. That's why you find Al-Bukhari, Imam Al-Bukhari, Muhammad Al-Ismail, Al-Ju'fi, Mawlahum. He was the Mawla. Because what happens was that when, you, when you're a slave and you're freed and you, be, or you become Muslim, then you take the lineage or you take the name of the one who freed you. So let's say, so Imam Bukhari, he wasn't Jurfi, but the one who freed his grandfather was Jurfi, the Arab that tribe. So he took that name. That's why you find the majority of those scholars, they came from lineages of slaves. And because they, and through slavery, when it happened, when they were freed and they became Muslim, they were, uh, they became these scholars. Imam Hanifa, Hassan al-Basri, Imam Bukhari. All their families from slaves. Abdullah ibn Mubarak. Many, many, many. Shu'bah ibn Hajjaj al-Ataki. Shu'bah, Shu'bah, the Imam. Many, many, many. Majority probably, they weren't, they weren't Arabs. Mm. So it's like, um, you became a slave because, I don't know, you had debt, you need to pay off something. Became a slave because you had a debt. <laughs> There's no slavery in debt. To work under, work under someone. There's no slavery in debt, that's not slavery. Oh, okay. That's work. Yeah. Well, say, say for example, um, you became a slave, but you knew the lineage of like, your father and your forefathers and whatnot. You wouldn't still take that if you were free. No, you take it. As a mawla, you say mawlahum, you say he was Ju'fi mawla, he was a mawla from Ju'fi, or he was Shu'bah ibn Hajjaj al-Ataki, mawlahum, but he was actually al-Abdi, it's called al-Abdi, but he became, he became al-Ataki because of freedom. You just have two lineages, two lineages. you don't have to, you don't have to mention it. You do take it, Ibn Wilayah becomes there, but you don't have to mention it like that, it's not your name, not necessarily.
just as a as a benefit. يعني. Um, طيب. ونفقة الرقيق والبهائم according to the need, right? Animals. In the Hadith of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, he said, عذبت امرأة في هرة حبستها حتى ماتت فدخلت في النار. A woman was punished into the hellfire because of a cat. لا هي أطعمتها because she didn't feed the cat. وسقتها إذ هي حبستها. She never fed it or never gave it drink water. ولا هي تركتها تأكل من خشاش الأرض. And she never let it go to eat from the insects of the earth. So she punished, because of that she was punished. So because of punishing an animal, she was punished as well. ودخل رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم حائط رجل من الأنصار. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم entered into a garden from the Ansar. فإذا فيه جمل. And so there was a, a camel inside that garden. And when the, when the camel saw the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, he started crying. And so the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم went to the camel and patted it until it became calm. And so he said, who is the one who owns this camel? So a man from the Ansar said it was me. And so the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said, ألا تتق الله في هذه البهيمة? Don't, why don't you, do you not fear Allah when it comes to this animal? التي ملكك, ملكك الله, ملكك الله إياها. This animal that Allah gave to you. فإنها تشكو إلي أنك, أنك تجيعه وتذئبه. Says that because this animal is complaining to me that you don't feed it and you make it tired, you tire it out, you work it out too much. And in the Sunnah, in the, in the, in the Hadith of Jabir radiallahu anhu, that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam commanded the people to look after the animals and take care of them. And so this is something that Islam commands, let alone the slaves as well. ولا يكلف من العمل ما لا يطيق, and the slave is not allowed to be burdened more than what it is able to do. Meaning, you're not allowed to burden a slave more than it's able to do, or more than he's able to do, or an animal, an animal even. You're not allowed to put too much weight on a camel, too much weight on the, on the cow, and it's not allowed because of the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he commanded that man, do you, know, do you not fear Allah because of what he does? Wallahu uh, alam. طيب, the next one, should we take the next one because some brothers, they have to go back to West London. It's a bit... Nikah? 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 Long, isn't it? Now we're gonna go for it, inshallah, eventually. So that's that's what I'm thinking. Nafaka al zoja. Have you just been on the wife? Are you sure? How long is your journey? Two hours. Hour and fifteen. And fifteen. That's fine, inshallah. You make it for iftar. So I got a question. No, no, wait. <laughs> nah, we'll take it quickly, inshallah. We'll take it, we'll take it quicker. Mm. So, so it's like, um, what was I going to say? It wasn't a question, it was like a statement, like how people, they, when, they, when they hear the word slavery, they try to compare, compare slavery to, for example, the transatlantic slavery that happened in America. Where, you know, they were forced, yeah. Yeah, exactly, like that type of slavery. So a lot of people, they kind of, they correlate that type of slavery to that slavery where they were whipped and lashed and no, like that. yeah, that's well, not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Slavery in Islam is completely different to that slavery in America. What happened there? That was literally stealing people from a country and taking them to another country, and making them into slaves. That's not even. It's not even. A, even Islam wouldn't consider them to be, to be slaves. Those people were not considered to be slaves at the time. They were people that were just stolen. Allah It's not the same. Fasulun fi spending upon the wife. Spending upon the wife is an obligation upon the husband because Allah says in the Quran, الرجال قوامون على النساء بما فضل الله بعضهم على بعض وبما أنفقوا من أموالهم. Men they are the caretakers of the women because of what they are commanded to spend 
on the women because what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them a virtue over those women. And Allah says in the Quran, Whoever he has a, a child is born for him, meaning his wife gives a child, then he has to spend upon her his provision and his and her clothing according to the customs. So it's an obligation, no doubt, by Quran and Sunnah and Ijma' of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We have the hadith of Hind coming to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam complaining about Abu Sufyan being someone who's stingy. And so the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, خُذِي مَا يَكْفِيكِ وَوَلَدَكِ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ Take from Abu Sufyan without telling him what is enough for you and for your child according to what is acceptable. So from this we understand that you're allowed to take um, the a person is allowed to take from their wife or from the husband their needs bil ma'roof according to the customs I just realized that some brothers are actually going to have to take one hour and 40 minutes it's not going to be enough inshallah ta'ala don't want to make them late for iftar so we'll end it there inshallah ta'ala wallahu alam wa sallallahu ala nabina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahabihi jama'in alhamdulillah